0: And so going on those mats the first time, I basically just felt complete, understood and at home because even though like it was awkward and you were messing up and it was like the most weirdest experience ever and you're in everybody's bubble, they all cared about you and they all loved and you're, I could feel myself learning and exploring and I also got a workout all in it. It was just like everything I ever wanted in life was just in that jujitsu room in that time. I was just so thankful that I found it.
1: What is up, ladies and gents? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Raph Sparza coming to you with another great installment of the Grappling Hour. Hello. It's good to see you guys again. I've been a little bit under the weather. Now, I didn't get fully sick. I lost my voice. And if you know anything about doing a show, you lose your voice, you don't get to do a show. So I'm very excited to be back. Most vocals, I wouldn't say, like, completely back, but it's, like, 90% there, which is... Good enough. Hey, shut up, Raph. What's going on? What are you wearing? We'll check this out. This is the official Grappling Hour T-shirt. If you guys want to cop that stuff, you can check out our website down in the comment section over here. The easiest ways you can find it: go to grapplinghour.com or rafesparza.com backslash merch If you go to either of those, you'll be able to buy one of these very awesome, very new Grappling Hour T-shirts. They come in five different colors and. We got a hoodie. I understand it's very cold in places. And you know what's been keeping me warm? My grappling hour hoodie. And I've gotten rave reviews. And uh, you may see some of our friends wearing the merch. Uh, We gave them to our top 10 interviews from the past year. And uh, nothing warms my heart than seeing them sending me photos of them wearing it. Um, In fact, uh, the opponent of one of our, our guests here today uh, I would say here, uh, she messaged me to be like, yo, this hoodie is like fire. So I feel very good about that. But enough about her opponent. Let's get back to a couple things about our guest. Just a couple quick reminders. If you guys want to support our show, you can go on over to high.page backslash grappling hour, become a member of our grappling hour community. And, 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 and you can also go on over to like, follow, and subscribe with us at grappling on youtube.com. And finally, last thing, join our Discord to continue the conversations that we have here on the show. All right, about our guest. I witnessed her have an epic performance at the most recent Medusa. It looked like things were going one way. Then, fate, time, space, whatever it is you're going to, Buddha, Jesus, Tom Cruise, I don't know what you're looking at, but one of those things intervened And then our guest was back into the tournament and had an epic run leading her way to her very first Medusa title. And I'm very, very excited to get to talk with her here today, making her Grappling Hour debut, your Medusa champion. One, Jillian, Jillian, how are you doing?
0: Oh, I am fantastic as always. And how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. And I'm so appreciative to you for, for delaying And we've been trying to book this up for a couple weeks and nothing makes me happier than to be able to give you your props in a full interview form. So in the years past, just so you know, I would normally do the interview right then and there with you. The only problem is that's only like five, 10 minutes of me being like, congrats, you won. I like to do a deep dive, getting into the matches themselves and the behind the scenes stories. And guess what? After reading an article about you, It seems like there's a few stories that we have to put some context to because it sounded like you had an epic story in winning your first Medusa title. But before we get to that epic story, I'd like to just ask you, what did it feel like to win at Medusa given everything that happened?
0: It was completely unreal. I felt the whole tournament, I was almost out of body in a way, and then finally when and he put the belt around my waist. I was like, I did it. Finally, all those hours and hours in the gym and all the sacrifices, it finally paid off. And it was just the cherry on top, or as my family says, the sprinkles, because winners get sprinkles in the household. And if you don't win, you no know sprinkles. So,
1: okay, hold on, hold on. When you say sprinkles, this is clarification, this is what a good journalist asks. What kind of sprinkles? Are we talking like donut sprinkles? Are we talking like cupcake sprinkles? Where are we here? Because to me, now it's getting to a food element, and that's where I shine the best.
0: Well, it's definitely going to be donut sprinkles for myself, but even my mom went to give me an ex martial rash guard that has the ice cream sprinkles on it, because in the <laughs> summer, I drive an ice cream truck. It's like I'm a little ice cream truck driver and just give ice cream kids. And so it really just plays a whole role. And like, if you get an ice cream, like if you win and you do your best, you can have sprinkles on top, but you don't get the extra in life if you don't give extra. And that's really what my parents and family try and steal on us. Like you don't expect sprinkles on top of your sweets. If you didn't give it your all.
1: I feel that that is a very good moral to put and instill in children. And I feel like it's one of those things where, yeah, if I was you, I would 100% be like, where are my sprinkles, bitch? Like, where are they? But of course you can't say that to the mom and dad, but I would say that to my immediate friends and family. It does put things into context a little bit more. We were talking a little bit off air about the fact that you looked so genuinely happy, and sometimes people aren't 100% all there when they win. Like, sometimes they're in a out-of-body experience, they don't know how to context anything, but you were so present but happy. And that made me so happy to see for you, which was, you know, we went up, we talked very quickly. I said, I'd like to book you for an interview. And you were so nice and gracious that there was almost this still calmness about you. So what was going through your head, like in those moments, kind of like after they put the belt on you and you kind of come back down, because if I was checking my heart pressure or like my heart stress off of my whoop, I think it would have been sky high from the moment. It would have been like, well, I competed, well, I'm going to take some time off, go to an in and out <laughs> and, oh, I'm back in it. So would you mind kind of putting that all into context for us?
0: Yeah, so definitely my first match was going against Alex, like all props to her. I was like, of course, going to this tournament, already nervous, why not go against the best of the best in the tournament? Let's go. And so I really gave my all, and it was fantastic because she took me deep water. She's a fantastic, like, grappling artist and I was shocked at the end where I'm like how did I not throw away with those strikes because I felt my open palms I was putting my whole heart into it but afterwards I was proud I even my coach Pablo Alfonso he was really proud of me I'm like let's just go get my burger and then when I got that call be like she can't, she can't go on. Like I was very unfortunate for her, but I'm like, my strikes did something. I actually, I knew it. And like, this is an element of combat jujitsu that I really love because how many times are you grappling with someone and you wish you could just hit them a little bit so they would do more jujitsu or just opens up more submissions. And so just driving back and that whole rush, because I'm like, I was proud of already what I did, but now I get to show everyone else more of what I can do. And just that second round, be able to finish it really fast with a submission and then all the way up because I knew going back and Pablo driving back, he's said you're going to be the champion. I knew I was going to be the champion. I knew, I knew when I was going against Alex, I was the champion, but it's just that's, I lost, but I knew I didn't lose and the universe brought me back and I won. And so when I got that belt and I finally came back to of out of the out-of-body experience. It was just all complete and whole. And I'm like, oh, I finally did it. It was just giving it back to my gym, to everybody, and just the peace and calm. And just how, like, you're right, I was in the present moment. And that's what really we all need to enjoy is just every moment. And knowing that all your hard work is not all for naught. And just even that joy that you had there in the belt, you need to bring that into your training sessions. And so it just came all full circle of all the tears and the blood and what every fighter says, but it's just the validation really.
1: Well, you definitely deserve that. And full disclosure, Alex is a friend of the show. So we always get put in these weird situations, which is always like, I love meeting new friends, but you know, my initial thing was when I saw that match, the first half with her was she was controlling really well. And There was a slight slip up that she did and you took advantage of it so well. And when you came up and we saw those strikes, I started getting worried for her. So there's this whole reversal of like, Oh, Alex is doing fine. Oh, I'm, I'm worried. Is she okay now? She made it to the end of the match. And where I kind of come into this is I was over photographing. So I I was over taking pictures and then I saw you warm up and there was a moment where I go, what? wait, what happened? So then I know I'm like, there's a whole backstory that happened that I didn't know. But first and foremost, I went over to go see Alex. I saw that she was good, but it was a precaution to be smart. It is a testament to your strikes. But I want to point this out to you because I'm not sure if you knew this. But in the finals, Alex was sitting next to me as I was taking photos. And she was actively cheering for you to get out of things. And I'm like, like yelling out, like, do this, do this. So, like, it's such a testament to both you and her that, like, I thought, man, she has such respect for you that she was cheering for you to move on and, and to do that. And I thought that was such a classy thing. So uh, I didn't know if you knew that, but I, I just kind of wanted to pass that your way.
0: No, I do appreciate it. I, again, I, lo- I love following her before the tournament, and I was really grateful to actually compete against her because if I'm going to compete, I want to do against the best, and she's definitely up there.
1: Absolutely. Now, a little qualifying question here. You didn't actually make it to In-N-Out, or did you? Because this is the part that I get confused in on the story. I'd like to tell people this. Once I'm done competing, fatty got to eat. So for me, I'm 100% already like at that burger stand or at the street meat vendor and saying, like, just give me whatever. I'm very hungry. So where in terms of your journey were you at the In-N-Out line? Because I also read in that story, this was like the first, like, kind of like cheat meal burger that you've had in months.
0: Yeah, well, with I've been in, like, this perpetual long fight camp for five months just because of the roller coaster of fights and cancellations and just technicalities. And so I've been on this weird wake up where I haven't, yeah, I haven't had a burger in five months. And so right after the tournament, I'm like, okay, Pablo, it was cool, did my best, I lost, let's go. We left because I'm like, it's one and done. And so we're about 20 minutes away from the tournament area, right about to pull into in and out And that's when we get the call. And he's like, you know, Pablo instantly turns around, best driving I've ever seen. Like, he grew up in Miami, so he's used to all the L.A. traffic. So he got me there super quick. And, like, it was insane when I got there. He just dropped me off. i to run and go in the girls' bathroom, call my stuff start warming up and so I'm warming up I'm like man my stomach's growling I'm like it's okay it's okay you'll beat them up and then you'll get your burger okay you'll get a bell and a burger it's a win-win don't you know and just like so basically trying to calm myself down but yeah it's, it's it's pretty great that's why it takes a lot of lots of sacrifice especially during Christmas like one of my goals in life is to become Santa Claus just because of the joy and love he brings to everyone in the holidays And so me not being able to eat my Santa Claus Christmas cookies really broke my heart. (laughs) But like I knew it was all for the bigger picture, for the 10 years of dedication, for that 15-year-old girl that walked on the mat that was all awkward and weird. You're like, you're a champion now. Isn't that pretty cool?
1: (laughs) You know what? It's the functionary, just it's the physical embodiment. So like just seeing it behind you, but the actuality of it is a testament to more of your technique because that was something that we could see throughout the tournament, which was when they inserted you back in, it made perfect sense. I just looked and I go, oh, yeah, she had a great show against Alex. I have no problem with this. And then you kind of got this sense of like, oh, she's not going to let up on this gas pedal. Like she sees it. She's honed in. And again, you were up against uh, people that we know and people who are also friends of the show. We'll get more on that later. But I do want to point this out, which is watching you continue to do great work was so much fun in the sense that you came back. And correct me if I'm wrong, but let's go match by match. Let's. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've already talked about the Alex match. So let's go to your your uh, second match. Is this the one where you ended up getting that hand arm choke, if I'm correct?
0: Yes. Okay. And great. the under, like, right shy of two minutes. And it was from guard, like bottom guard. And I was shocked, too, because how many times I've yelled at white belts in my gym about doing (laughs) – about a head and arm from bottom. Be like, no, there's no way you're going to finish it. But I was really able to adjust my hips and get that angle and just put in all my strength. And like I said, I live at the gym, and so I do strength conditioning. I do three classes a day, basically. And so all those hours, I was able to have just that – Raw strength and really just, I feel like grind it out and squeeze where it did overwhelm her and get the tap.
1: Yeah. Cause again, it was a good way to announce you were back. And, you know, you always get those, I'm sure I would get this way, but you get that self consciousness of like, oh, I'm back in and technically lose, but I didn't technically win the first one. But then after that, it's a statement that says, no, I'm back. Like, look at this. We're, I a hundred percent belong here. Now we're going to the semis. So you seem like somebody who has a lot of excitement. How hard is it for you to contain the excitement while also staying laser focused? Because what's great about this now is I didn't necessarily see the side of you when you were zoned in, I saw it when you won, (laughs) I saw it when you carried (laughs) yourself afterwards and I'm seeing it now. When I saw you on the mats, you looked so incredibly focused. Is it difficult or are you able to kind of find a, a place, a range where you can kind of like stay in the pocket when you're kind of battling those those emotions of like, I'm really excited, but I also don't get too excited.
0: So when it comes to jujitsu, I find this place of just pure peace and serenity. And that's why I really love just the art behind it, because there is a beautiful flow and just it when it... Like, everything, when you go into that tournament, it just zones out. It's just you and your competitor. You, like, you're both, if there wasn't a ref there, you're both trying to kill each other in that sense. And how amazing is that is that we have such trust between one another to perform this art of the gentle killing, basically. And so I just go into that flow state of just complete understanding and that when they say, like, mind-muscle connection and just – you spent those hours. I never miss a technique class. I do all my drills. I do all my warm-ups. I trust what I'm doing. So why think about it when I know about it, when I know what's happening. And so that's why when Alex, she gave that little like slip up, I was able to take advantage or even in the second match, I was able to find that opening of that head and arm because I wasn't searching for it. I just knew when it was there, I was going to be able to get it. And that's what's amazing about jujitsu. And one thing I just love about it is because I don't even try, I just do. And that's what you're supposed to do in jujitsu just do jujitsu. That's all it is.
1: Yep. Yep. I, don't get I, like <laughs> to tell, I like to tell my students, you know, the trying is in the room. So try all you want here because this is where you're supposed to make mistakes. So that when you do go compete and you're in a high pressure situation, it's more you doing what feels natural and reacting when you need to but it's uh, the more effortless it seems uh, when you can get out there, the more in control and the more people kind of marvel at what you can do. So you were definitely embodying that. Now we go to your, I think, are we talking about your semi? I'm so sorry. I thought I said that. Yes. So we're in your semi, like what in that moment then did you do that kind of kept you focused and reframed? Because you had another long match in that one. But you looked good in it. So what was that kind of mentality going through that third match? And I also want to know, I go back uh, a little bit in terms of watching and being familiar with your coach's work. So what did you credit uh, your coach uh, to doing to make sure that you were staying ready as you were going along?
0: So really, I got to credit Pablo Alfonso. He takes time to really learn and just understand each fighter and know when to push them and when to let them relax. And we were joking because I'm so used to just sleeping because I train, nap, train, nap. But I'm so used to napping and then hopping on the mats that in between after the second match, I was just in the back laying down and he was rubbing my left shoulder because it just got a little tweaked because it was going hard and that's just jujitsu. It's all fine now. And so he was just basically warming up and he's saying, hey, remember, have fun. And that's all it really was, was just me in the back, relaxing, taking my breath, because 10 minutes are long. We usually train five minutes. And so that's something I'll probably adjust in the future. But just breathing and just remember having fun. He was just making sure that I was prepared to go into the match. Because when you already do, when you already done so many matches and you're up and down, you don't really have to warm up because your body's already warmed up. It's more, I feel like, not hurting yourself out too much. And so that's what really Pablo was able to do, was keep me in that nice, calm mindset, not overstress it because like he really wanted to win. I really wanted to win, but that's stressing is not going to help anybody. Right now we're going to enjoy, we're going to sit, we're going to watch the matches. We were watching the other girls in the back too while he was rubbing my arm and it was nice. He got me prepared when I went out. I didn't feel any pain. I was able to perform.
1: And I want to bring some other context into this because when you say you're, you're training for five-minute rounds, that's more than likely because you also fight. And the intention at this point uh, in the year was that you wanted to have been in a fight, like an actual MMA fight. And for whatever reason, uh fight fell through. So, yeah, it's probably why you were focusing more on five-minute rounds than being like, let's go for 10 minutes because a 10 minute MMA round would be, uh, well, we're not in pride rules anymore, but it would be very difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very exhausting. I feel like definitely a law against the cage. If it was 10 minutes, but you are correct. I was very much prepared. I am a MMA fighter pro. I'm three and three right now. And that's definitely been my career. And CJJ was, this has been my first time actually competing in that. It's been about five years since the actual jitsu tournament. I'm really happy that I was able to have this opportunity. It's definitely opening up a new avenue in my career because I definitely want to do more jiu-jitsu tournaments and see how far that can take me.
1: Okay, this is gonna kind of sound a little shocking on my side. Are you saying this is your first jiu-jitsu tournament in five years?
0: That is correct, yeah.
1: Okay, I, you, you kind of breezed that one in and I was just like, wait, what? Because to me, it, it didn't look that way. You looked very calm and composed. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that you have MMA experience and, you know, MMA experience in part of that, you're going to be doing jujitsu work. It's just jujitsu tournaments tend to be a very specific style of training and prep. And what I thought you did so well from first match and beyond where I was watching you was you could tell you were a fighter. Like there was no doubt. I looked at you uh, the very first few seconds. I was like, yeah, you're a fighter. Alex can't let you get on top. Like a (laughs) hundred percent. I just kind of made that assessment also knowing Pablo's work. I go, yeah, that's a good combination. He'll know how to kind of focus you in because he has that experience too. So I thought the two of you were really, really uh, well simpatico, like how you guys were working as a unit. Because one thing people don't know is when you're photographing, I have kind of like the world's best front row seat to hearing coaches. And sometimes you pick up on the little things that you kind of hear from him and and how you're working. And one thing I noticed from you was how good of a student you were. Like he would give you a subtle direction and you, you just did it and you were like one of those great robots. So I was, uh, I was very impressed by your connection together. Now I want to talk to you about the final. Let's give the, the context here. Jennifer is also a friend of the show, but I always tell people, I'm like, we're like Switzerland here. So like, Y'all do what you do. We're still going to be friends with whoever we're friends with. As a friend, you made me quite nervous for Jennifer at multiple times because I felt like that fight or that match could have potentially been stopped a couple times, but you were so relentless. And it's such a testament to your ability to work from that back mount. And it just seemed like such an endless chain that you were putting together. So From your interpretation please tell us how you viewed that last match
0: it was gotta give a big applause to jennifer because i like you said i was definitely going from position to position and by the end of it i couldn't close my hands they were so pumped and it was i was shocked by some of the strikes and i'm like are they gonna finish it i'm like they probably they probably won't finish it cjj why would they finish it they want some missions I'm like, okay, move to submission. Like she's defending super well. And so it was definitely a lot of internal dialogue, but staying composed and understanding position over submission, you can open them up with the strikes. And that's really what I was just trying to hone in on. I, it sucked that she was great at defending very close. So I couldn't get any submission and it brought us over to that over time, but it was a lot of fun going with her and just kind of like being able to show everyone what i can do so i'm like if i can't put you away i'm going to drag you through hell for 10 minutes then like this is what you're going to get when you go with jillian knoll it's going to be relentless nonstop pressure until i'm able to submit you
1: it very much looked that way because you know we like to say there's only been a few stoppages in combat jiu-jitsu history and i thought she moved just enough to kind of stop that from happening but if they had stopped it, I don't know that I would have been upset. I definitely wanted to see her have her chance. And it did seem, though, that it looked like the thought at a certain point in the match became just make it to overtime. And then once it becomes just make it to overtime, the idea is because she trains that so much, maybe she might have an edge there. But you proved very, very, very good at that and, and stayed so calm, did your work and found your way out in very good time. So what did it feel like going into those overtime rounds when you knew that might be kind of the game plan at that point?
0: Well, by the time it was around like eight minutes into that last match, I had the realization, I'm like, oh, these girls are smart. They are just playing it low, not exerting themselves. Like I said, I could barely close my hand, And I'm like, I have just exhausted myself, and now we're about to go into overtime. But like I said, credit to Pablo Alfonso. What a wonderful coach and a wonderful training program. Because every single Wednesday, we do SmackDown Wednesdays. And it's basically two hours of live grappling. First hour is you're put into those situationals, the arm bars, the back controls. All You're stuck in a triangle, basically. Three minutes, get out or submit. And so that's all we do every single week. Sometimes we'll do it on a Monday for fun. And so I'm like, oh, this is just, again, another day, another, just another Thursday. I loved it. Like how all the day was uh, December 28th on a Thursday. And so even though I was exhausted and I've gone all these rounds, I've gone two rounds or two hours, three hours before and had to do this Wednesday Smackdown a million times. And so it wasn't anything new. It was just what I did. And so I was really able to dig in deep, focus on my training, focus on, horse course, not getting submitted because she was very sharp with her arm bars. And, like, I was able to pull it through, and lots again, a lot of credit to Pablo, because I didn't realize I was training for that, all these smackdowns. He just knew what he was preparing his students for.
1: That's a really, really good thing to do. I always tell people, especially my guys, um, I always feel like 10th Planet has an edge in one sense, especially for EBI time, overtime, which is... You know, they do these rounds as warm-up rounds sometimes. So they, they feel very at ease there. And I feel like it's a testament to the coaches that can find the ways to even the odds or kind of put them in your favor. And in that case, that's a perfect drill for that. Like putting you in those bad situations may seem like one of the roughest kind of ways to spend a day. But it definitely pays off because you look so calm when you're trying to get out of it. And when most people might crack under it, like looking in a bad spot, you don't because I did notice when she was switching the arm bar, I thought, okay, I think she thinks this is the spot because let's say she gets you. Sometimes when people get that popped arm bar, they figure they're going for short time and you got out, you looked great. And uh, I thought it was such a excellent performance all the way around. Like what a way to really put a, a kind of emphasis on saying for whatever reason, I wasn't advancing in the first match, but I didn't necessarily get beat in regulation and then coming back and making such a a great statement is, is truly a testament to you. So kudos on that. What I'd like to do now, uh, normally for people's first appearances on the show, we like to go back and go to your first days. So I always like to ask people, do you remember the first time that you entered a jiu-jitsu room? And if so, like your first day, what do you remember about that?
0: Like it almost brings up tears a little bit. It was, it was honestly a person buying me in just to like watch him train. And I'm like, I'm not going to watch you. I'm actually going to do it. And so I hopped on that. I was super nervous. And I'm like, I was one of the few girls there, just a little 15, awkward 15 year old. And when I first like it was the shrimp shrimp drills I'm like you want me to do what with what and this is just warm ups and I just couldn't understand and then we moved on and then the first drill we were doing was triangles and I was able just to move my hips and it flowed and my first coach ever was Jerry Rupinski, and he's like nobody's ever able to get that fast and I it just beamed me up and I just was hooked I was hooked ever since then. And I just love, like you said, a robot. Jerry called me his little robot all the time because I just love listening. I'm like, why am I not going to listen to the guy that's been doing it for like 15 years? I don't know anything. And you have an outside perspective. Yeah, I'm going to listen to you. That's only going to make me better. You get to see the openings that I don't get to see. And so going on those mats the first time, I basically just felt complete, understood, and at home. Because even though like it was awkward and you were messing up and it was like the most weirdest experience ever and you're in everybody's bubble, they all cared about you and they all loved and you're. I could feel myself learning and exploring and I also got a workout all in it. It was just like everything I ever wanted in life was just in that jujitsu room in that time. I was just so thankful that I found it.
1: Had you had done sports before that? Was that something that you were doing? Because... When most people come into a room and they describe themselves as awkward, sports may not necessarily be their first thing, but that's not always the case. So for you, were you an athlete before doing any kind of jujitsu?
0: Well, it was definitely not jujitsu. Both my brothers, so they're six three, three hundred pounds plus lineman. Like my eldest brother, he was a professional football player. And I grew up not playing junior tackle, but doing football practice. I would go to all of them but doing the lineman practice, waking up at six AM with all the boys and just in the mud doing the drills. But my mom, she didn't want really to get hurt, so wasn't allowed to do football. I thought it's hilarious. She let me do MMA whole thing, but that's where, and so like, that's why I was always doing combat sports. Like I didn't get to do combat sports with people, my weight, I got to do combat sports with people, double my weight and that I should never go pee against. And so that's why it was, it felt at home because it's just like grappling my brothers. I didn't know I was grappling my brothers. I was just kind of surviving for my life because I ate their cookie, you know? (laughs) and like and also like before that i was a cheerleader and like that's why i'm like super happy and like i was a base and so my job was to throw girls and so i was the only girl that could like single stunt and like really help them out and i would catch them i've never let a girl fall because i'm gonna dive and catch them and so that was really like my stand back but it was i just never had that complete feeling because i was too aggressive for cheerleading or i wasn't allowed to actually compete in football so i was there but i wasn't actually there and so with mma like i and like jujitsu it just was easy and a good flow i just fit in
1: this checks so many boxes this explains so much because you're right it does bring the idea of you get your toughness from rolling and kind of horsing around with your brothers and showing up for those practices. Well, at the same point, the brightness and the cheeriness from cheerleading, like all of that, I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. Now I I totally get the background of this. An important question here. What was the first jujitsu move that you felt like you kind of really inhabited or that became something that you felt was yours? Like, what was the first jujitsu move that you go, ah, I got this. This is mine.
0: Okay, so the first one was the americana and it was i hate it was one because i was just a bully because i knew i'm like anyone that's my size or smaller i got it i know <laughs> if there's like 10 seconds left i'm gonna be a bully and i'm gonna get it so like that for that mindset it was awful i was a spazzy white belt like i want to go and punch myself in the face if i could because of how spazzy i was but like besides the americana it was definitely the triangle because I love that even though you're in guard or you're getting smashed or there's you're rolling, you can always get it from anywhere. And if people try to defend, you either get the armbar from there or that it just makes it worse for them. So that was definitely turned into my baby for quite a while. And then probably when I turned into a purple belt, it turned in more into a dark. So it was just a fun transition.
1: Uh, I'm going to come back to another question in a minute. Normally, I like to do these in a series. But there was something that you said that I saw in a pulled quote in your Instagram, which was, you know, just this pride in being able to represent yourself as a brown belt competing at a black belt level. Why did you say that? And, and what made you feel that way? Was it this tournament? Because there's also a part of me that feels like if you fight, sometimes you have to just go out of your brain and go, I don't give a shit what rank you are. I have to beat the shit out of you. So to me, I was curious, when did you kind of adopt that mentality and and what gave you that that kind of confidence there?
0: Well, I've always and I first started Jiu-Jitsu, I was in a gi school. So I've always loved the belt and I've always been looking just to rank up and I always appreciate my rings. And my and since I had that white belt and I got my first drive, I've been wanting to be a black belt and just strive to achieve there. And especially in myself, I feel like I haven't been able to reach her and I'm not there yet but then doing this tournament as a brown belt and competing against them and then for them not being able to like, cause I love Alex and Jennifer and be able to just get away from their attacks. It was, it just validated every insecure thought I had about myself and my own jujitsu. And I know every practitioner probably has that about them, but it's just, it's that proof on there. I'm like, yeah, you have that 10th planet black belt, but look like that's, and I won as a brown belt. Like that, I just, I think it's, it shows, I don't I'm having a hard time explaining to words. I'm sorry. It just really shows a lot of pride I have for myself and the ranks in jujitsu and just the dedication you have, because it takes a very long time to grow in the sport and drill after drill And so just to prove that, like, don't skip your drilling class. Show up to warm-ups because it will make you good. It will make you be a brown belt to be able to beat those black belts. It's those little things that matter. And that's what really proved there in that tournament, that the little things, those little extra 20 minutes after training, I'm stretching or running or getting those extra triangle drills, and it really proves a point. So don't skip out. Just drill.
1: I feel you bring up a very nice point, which is when you are doing these things, sometimes you think to yourself, why am I doing this? Like, it doesn't feel like it has a purpose. You know, in the back of your mind, you might say like, I think this is good for me. I just need to do this and show up and do this. But sometimes that routine can be monotonous when it doesn't feel like there's some sort of embodiment to it. What we saw from you, at least from our side of the viewers, was we kind of saw you go on this journey on that day. So that's why I was a little curious on if that confidence happened there. And you're right. You you were very much at home on those mats uh, to a point where, you know, this opportunity came up when other opportunities you thought might be there instead. And then fate has a way of working itself out. And now I can't picture you not coming back to Medusa or other combat kind of scenarios because I go, Oh yeah, yeah. She should get an invite hundred percent. Like that's kind of now where you're at. So I feel like that's a very good place to be in. I do want to ask this cause I realized I didn't ask this earlier and we'll again, circle back to kind of the, the history questions. What was the celebration like when you came back home? Because I realized you going through all this joy, you weren't necessarily in a hometown crowd. You got a good ovation. People definitely were happy you won, but it's different to go back to your gyms and to where you call home and bring home this belt. So what did it feel like to walk in those doors?
0: It felt like just pure pride and just like, hey guys, look up, Warrior Camp, we did it, of course. My favorite thing is like, Warrior Camp did it, duh, because we are... I feel in Pacific Northwest, we are the best. We really, we put in the dedication. We put in the hours. We have the coaches. And to bring home the titles, to be like, see, guys, we told them so. What's up? And it was amazing because everyone just happened to be at the gym that day. My best friend, she picked me up and was just dropping off back in my room so I can grab some of my things. And everyone was there to be able to congratulate, show the belt. We have just some amazing fighters. And it was really great just to continue the legacy that Warrior Camp truly is.
1: That's cool. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Well, very well do on that. And uh, that's very, very nice. So I want to, okay, let's circle back. So there's a question I like to ask. I usually try to hybrid it if people end up going into MMA. But the first thing that I ask in this multi-tiered question is why jiu-jitsu? Like, when did you know that you fell in love with jiu-jitsu? Because it's one thing to do it and go to classes and be a hobbyist it's another to have that become a way of life. So when did you feel like you actually had a love for jujitsu, jitsu and when do you feel like that really manifested?
0: It was, like I said, probably my first time ever <laughs> on the mat. It was like, I was like, this is, this is it. I was like, mom, how do I, I don't how do I do this forever? And, like, all my teachers growing up, they called me crazy because somehow every assignment we had, I would weave MMA in. My whole senior project was all about MMA and then ever since forth. I was like, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be able to just train all day, and that's it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it, but that's it. Like, let's go. And now I'm 25, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And I think that's – I don't, I don't know. It was just – My life would feel completely different without MMA. I think it would just feel incomplete without jujitsu and all of that. Because, and like, that's what, when I say MMA, but mostly with jujitsu, I can't fight forever. I'm going to be probably retired, but when I'm 35, but jujitsu, I'm going to be going until I'm not breathing anymore because you can't, because it's that gentle art. And that's what's so amazing about it and why I love it so much because you can always continue that flow no matter what state you are in.
1: I find it very funny and not surprising that you would weave MMA and jujitsu kind of into all of your assignments. However, I should let you in on a little secret here. Uh, As somebody who went to go do grad school, um, I didn't do anything all that different. So like when I was going (laughs) to grad school, I like, I think there was a day where everybody found a focus and they all come in with like these subjects where they go, oh, I'm really interested on diving into IBM or I'm really interested in learning the business and communicative practices of the business. And it was just something they were really into. And then one day I go, well, can I do MMA? And they go, what's that? And I go, Oh, Oh, okay. You don't know anything about this. This is great. And so I would go and they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I have to go research a lot of the business practices right now about MMA. And they go, how did you talk them into that? And I go, you just kind of research what you like. And I'm learning a lot. And Of course, I didn't know that I would be doing stuff like this all these years later, but it makes sense. It's just, it's fun to break those things down and find your way of doing it. I think sometimes you find a way of kind of researching the things you love, even when you don't know how to like do it professionally. You go, I'm just, I'm excited about it and I want to learn more and I want everybody to talk about it with me. So You're not alone in that respect, just so you're aware.
0: (laughs) Oh, I I feel like you put in such great words. I'm like, if I just digest everything, I'll figure it out later. And that's where I feel like I'm in my point in career. I'm like, now I know, I know a lot of things. I just got to put in the correct path so I can just get more of those belts, get more of those championships and just keep improving my career and get people to know who Jillian Knoll truly is. Because like, I've been doing this for like a decade, I said, and now it's time for me to make my mark.
1: It's also weird because unlike other sports, you know, people grew up doing football. Sure. But sometimes if somebody does something for like 10 years in football, if you really think about that, by the time you make it into college, you've probably succeeded in a certain way in jujitsu, it's not quite the same. We're a very niche sport. So it feels like sometimes we have to do two to three times. The amount of work just to be like, Hey, is this a thing? (laughs) Did, Did you guys see that last one? And, you know, it, it's tireless, but I feel we're growing. So what's nice about you is you've put in the work so that when future generations have it easier, you'll be able to say like, yo, I was about to chow down on a burger until somebody said like, yo, you want to have the best night of your life? And uh, I was like, well, this burger can wait. And I should ask this. So if you did not go to In-N-Out, what happened afterwards? Where did the food go? And were you even able to process the need for food? Because at that point, once you put a belt on somebody, that kind of goes out the window. So what was the celebratory food and when did that happen?
0: Um, so it was actually, in the end, it was in and out thank the heavens. And so it was, it was, it took a very long time to get there. And then when we showed up, it was probably about like 1030, maybe 11. I'm not quite sure on that. And the line around the block, but I looked at my coach. I'm like, come on, if it's around the block, you know, it's gotta be good. And he's like, I can't have the champions. And so we end up getting got animal style fries, a good, just juicy burger. And it was, it probably hit better than any burger I've ever tasted, probably because I haven't ate anything. And I, it's been a probably like four hours since I ate since then and competing. But it definitely it hit the spot. And I'm glad I got the burger in the end. Went home, went back to my hotel and just passed out.
1: Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I always think, uh, whenever I see stuff like this, I always think to myself, Oh, you know what? You definitely deserved that burger. Because to me, you know, I used to tell my sister when they would pick me up from the airport, I would be like, you better have the in and out in the car. (laughs) Like we're not going to go wait. (laughs) You know, when my plane gets here, if I have to wait any longer, I've just come off a plane, just, I want to go to sleep, but I need to eat. And by the time we drive home, it should have digested. Um, so when you say that, I just think to myself, I'm like, God, the amount of time competing, the adrenaline you're on, and then the line. I feel like you should have been able to just take your belt and just, excuse me, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Champ needs some food because listen, I'm pretty sure Paul Giamatti did not wait on the line when he got his golden globe and showed up at in and out. So it is the food of champions, and I'm very glad to hear that that was the case. Let's go back a little bit right now uh, to, again, those history questions. When did you feel like you wanted to do MMA? Because you mentioned your mom, miraculously, was sold on MMA despite being like, that, that football seems a little dangerous, but then was just like, oh, MMA? Yeah, sure, sounds good. I'll sign off. There you go. So (laughs) how did that enter the frame? Like what made you want to do MMA?
0: Well, I've always wanted to like kind of do combat sports or in that sense. I wanted to compete and just do something. And my dad, one time when I was little, even joked, we were watching UFC and he's like, oh, that's going to be you in the cage one day. I'm like, why would I let someone punch me in the face? That's weird. I'm not going to let that happen. But now here I am. But it, what really changed the mindset of my mom to let me compete was Jerry, my first coach, came to her after like a month of training. And he's like, your girl hits like a man. I've never, he's like, I've never seen it. She hits just so hard and she's relentless and she listens. And that's what really my mom just saw the passion and drive in Jerry Rapinski's eyes and be like, okay. And I was like, please, mom, want me compete. See, he says I'm good. He says, he says I'll win. I'll do great. Let's go. And so I end up going, being 15-year-old, first MMA match, end up losing. I didn't even realize after the third round, it was over. I'm like, let's go another round. They're like, no, that's it. I'm like, what do you mean that's done? Let's keep going. Because I, I wasn't really, I wasn't sure on the rules. I was just happy. I was in there punching people. Almost got a triangle, but amateurs, they have shin guards, and so it blocked my triangle. I'm still upset to this day about it. That's okay. But like that's I fell in love. With it And even though I lost my first amateur match, I was like, I want to keep doing this. I want to grow and get better. And then I went on a five winning streak after that. And I played posters around my school. I joined my high school wrestling team. At that time, there was no female wrestling program because I was in Idaho. So it's just against the guys. And like, man, we have these blue flag days. I remember one time I was finally able to beat everybody and being that girl to be just like the head varsity guys running up those stairs. It took I went and puked my guts out that night. But just like I said, if I fell at home and MMA, it just gave me a purpose. I'm like, look guys, look what I'm doing at such a young age. And like, I'm setting up my career for the future. And like, it was cool at that time because there wasn't that many people in that sport and I would always go against adults. And now being able just to like see the young generation, we have a couple of young um, people in our gym and it's really amazing to see them grow up and kind of give them that knowledge and like wisdom that when I was there in their shoes, I wish I kind of had.
1: Yeah. I would love to know this, which is, when you're joining a program and they say to you, we don't necessarily have somebody your weight, like what's going in your brain to stay there? Because so many people would be like, Oh, you don't have somebody my size. Mm -hmm." Like even sometimes as a coach, I have to go up to people when I'm sizing up them and I go, I don't, you guys don't fit. You can train together, but if they're especially spazzy, I'll go up and say something like, Hey, you don't have to roll if you don't want to. But like, things are different. And at this point now I feel like more people are doing it, but I'm sure when you were growing up, it was kind of a tough decision to kind of make for yourself.
0: Yeah, it very much was. Cause it was definitely awkward. Like being the only girl very much, just all the time at every open mat. And it just, and especially being the smallest of them. And like, even to this day, people get like, Oh, I'll go light with you. Don't worry. I'm like do jiu and that's what's amazing about jiu-jitsu, it has no gender, it's just martial arts, and that's just all we're going to do, we're doing the same submission, we're doing everything similar, and so that was also what's beautiful about jiu-jitsu, is that you can take advantage of the bigger opponent, if you know, like, the correct leverage, and how gravity, and all that works, and that's what's cool, is you're going to play that chess game, so even though you go against an opponent that's bigger, it just gets to enhance the sport, because you've got a bigger way around it, as if you go against an opponent that is smaller than you. Because you can't get, like, I feel armbarring an opponent that's smaller than you is the most difficult thing ever. As if I'm going against a bigger opponent, I'm definitely going to try to grab their long arms. And so it just kind of changes the way you approach the sport. And I feel like allows better competition. Because when you are going against people that are your size, you have seen these different variables. So even if you go to a gym that is all white belts and all different sizes, you still can learn something because a weird spazzy white belt that grabs your head all awkward is probably going to show you a new opening or a new sweep that you can even think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I have a female that had to work with some of the guys. I had taught them a certain kind of shoulder pressure that was not fun the other day. And every time I do one of these things, I preface it, especially with beginners. I just go, hey, guys. This is a drill. Do not do full side control pressure on your training partners. You can add some pressure, but please be cognizant. This is a drill and they're letting you do it. And I later saw in the role, one of our our smaller females was going up against a dude who was trying to do that shoulder pressure to him. And I pulled her aside afterwards and I was like, you need to triangle that dude next time he does that. And she's like, how? And then I showed her, I was like, if they're big, you need to find angles. And she's like, holy shit, I didn't even try to find an angle. And I was like, try it next time, see what happens. She started doing it, and she has the right body movement and the right brain where I go, you're going to equal it out. You just have to go a different way. Like, if they're giving you nothing but brute force, they're going to leave themselves open in a different way. And if you're smart, and she is, you're going to know how to control them. And I just love her because mm-hmm. she's such a gangster that she looks at me and she was like, I was like, is the pressure bad? She's like, fuck that pressure. And I was like, oh yes, <laughs> she's so dope. I was like, oh man, she's better than me at this. I was like, yo. So uh, I got very excited to see when those wheels turn for my students and I go, oh, okay, they're, they're going to come back different now. So that's always always a fun journey to see. I want to start kind of winding things down and I'd love to know what is it that you're planning to do in this 2024? Cuz your 2023 ended on such a I wouldn't say unexpected, but a, definitely a delightful way. Like I'm sure whatever was going on in 2023, by the time it hit December 31st, you were like, "This was great, everybody. I'm having <laughs> a blast." So, what is on your docket for 2024? What do you see happening this year?
0: Um I definitely want to do a um A C D Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. ADCC tournament coming up here in March. That's going to be my next journey and definitely just doing more jujitsu tournaments. Like I said before, it was about five years since I competed and I really want to keep active on that. Like I was Thing Also, it was been looking for an MMA fight. I want to continue that journey. I absolutely love getting the cage. I've been working with my crew CJ over at Warrior Camp a lot with my Muay Thai. So I definitely want to show people I am phenomenal on the ground, but I also have amazing stand up as well. And so just definitely honing in all my skills. Also, Definitely want to get promoted to a black belt in 2024. That is my goal. I was proud. I was a brown belt beating black belts, but I feel I should be a black belt with black belts. So that's definitely up to the discretion of my professor Pablo. So once I back at work we will see from there.
1: I have a good feeling Pablo will know exactly when to promote you up. And <laughs> we'll, we'll see when that is. Who knows? Uh, one thing I'm glad to hear though, is we're talking a little bit off air. And you were mentioning how now you also have the ability to start doing even more uh, privates and seminars and how you're really especially happy that you can start working with more uh, females, especially given your past and knowing that you're able to contextualize, hey, these opportunities weren't here, but I want to like fast track you. I want to teach you what I know so that I can catch you up. Faster than even I got caught up. So, do you mind speaking on that and telling people where maybe they can get in contact with you should they be interested in working with you?
0: Of course. Yeah, I am definitely now open to privates with females and children. The best way to contact me is through Instagram. Just personally message me and I'll get in touch with you there. But like I said, I was 15 on the mat, surrounded by just all guys, had all these questions and really wished that I had someone with my knowledge just to reach out for, because there is different obstacles that we have to go through as women and just different knowledges that I want to be able to give respect to as being the little opponent.
1: That is so great to hear. And again, I can't say this enough. I was so happy for you. You know, like it's so wonderful to watch somebody come off the mats when having one of the best moments that they can have in their jujitsu career and the way you conducted yourself. I always like to tell people, I love the idea of for TV. It's always cool. If you don't act like you've been there before, but you were so excited and that was beautiful to see, but your demeanor off the mats was more act like you've been there before because you had. So to me, I was like, you conducted yourself like such a professional it made me very excited to do an interview like this. And I hope it's the first of many. So we'll definitely be watching your continued success here. But you, you did such a great job. And I think they would be foolish. And I'm almost certain they won't. But I do feel like they will pull you back for another CJJ. They always like to have their champions defend titles or come back and do more. So um, if this was your first tournament in five years, what a way to come back to it. So kudos to you on that.
0: And thank you so much for having me here on the Grappling Hour. It was definitely fantastic talking with you and, of course, seeing you again.
1: Of course. So I'm going to say bye to you off air in just two minutes. I'm going to close this up. But uh, thank you so much, Jillian. It is wonderful to get to know you. And once again, congratulations on your success. Thank you. All right, you guys. We're just about done here. But before we get you on out of here, a couple quick reminders. Number one, buy the merch. Look at this. Bam. Grappling hour, established 2018. And if you're local and you're buying some of the gear, you get one of these little fancy bags with a sweater. in it. This one does not have a sweater in it. Full disclosure. I messed up on where the sticker went. Like the sticker should be a little more centered. I didn't like it enough. My OCD can be very bad sometimes. So I put this as the dummy one over here. But uh, if you're local, you'll get one of these. Otherwise, we'll send it to you either way. Um, so go check that out. You can go to grapplinghour.com or rafasparza.com backslash, rafasparza.com backslash, you guys should know that already, backslash merch. And if you want to support the show and see these interviews 30 days before anybody else, here's what you do. You go on over to hi. page, backslash grapplinghour. You become a member, five bucks a month, 30 days before anybody else. And if you want to pay a few extra dollars, you can see technique breakdowns, extra special bonus content that's not available anywhere else. And a segment that we like to call Roast Raph, where people roast my competition footage, which I think is pretty funny. And I have been told that people enjoy that segment. So we're doing that. Plus, watch out very soon. We're going to have a new segment coming up very, very soon, which is going to be a weekly topical show. which We've always been at the forefront of topical shows. You've seen it with Verbal Tap. You've seen it with the round the mat. You've seen it with our previous incarnations. But now we have the ability to go directly to Instagram and we're going to be doing kind of a hot topic show. I'm so excited to premiere this. It's happening very soon, but it will be airing on all of our channels, but especially on Instagram in that little vertical format. So I hope you guys stay tuned for that. That'll be coming up next. Join our Discord and like, comment, and subscribe. And if you don't know what to comment down here, what is... Your food of choice when you win. In a different video ask what the food of choice is when you lose. They shouldn't be different, but I do think they are different. I can tell you mine <laughs> champion material, which is I'm like Julian. I'm like Paul Giamatti. I'm gonna be at the end and outline. Just telling you guys. And join our Discord. That's it. That's gonna do it for us here at the grappling hour. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats.